Welcome to the Tea with Tamara podcast. I'm Tamara Arnold. And it wasn't that long ago that I was a broke single mom drinking way too much, completely detached from everything. Now I've written multiple books, downloaded I Could Read Chakras, and I'm a channel for the universe. I'm a real person with real stories, and I can't wait to share them with you. So grab a warm bevy and let's have some enlightened conversation to live our best life. Hey everybody, I am super excited because I have one of my favorite humans, which I know I say every week, but it's a true (laughs) statement every week with me today. She is one of the serial entrepreneurs I know. And what I mean by that is that this woman it cannot be contained by just one thing. <laughs> and so I am excited to share her with you and her magic and all the things that she has created and done because she's kind of inspiring like that. So please help me welcome Tanya Lida to Tea with Tamara and Tanya. <laughs> How are you? Well, thank you so much for that introduction. My goodness, you've already got tears in my eyes. That's definitely an, an interesting indication of where we're going to take this adventure. <laughs> I know. I was like, right before our call, because I've known Tanya a while, it was like, you know, just go where I go. And she's like, yeah, I trust you. And I was like, you, no, never trust me. <laughs> but I know better and I know that I can. So here we go. But thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. I am just so excited to share you with everyone. And so one of the questions that I like to ask just to start off, because it never, it kind of never starts the same is, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about Tanya. Oh my. Uh, Well, like you said at the beginning of our podcast episode for Recovering Church Girls, how much time do we have? Uh, Because there's, there's a lot of twists and turns. I think like so many of us, you know, I thought life was going to look a certain way and lo and behold, it doesn't. And I am so incredibly grateful that it doesn't look like what I thought it would. So me, uh, along in the journey, I am one who loves adventure and loves to connect with people, loves to find beauty in surprising places, and loves the adventure of all of it and getting to practice, uh, because I don't have it down yet, that's for sure, but getting to practice more about being in the present moment and finding all of these fun little surprises that the universe leaves for us or the adventures in the way. So that's me personally. And aren't you proud of me? I answered for me as a human being instead of all the things I do. Yes and no. Yes because and no. Because you already talked about the Wow, well, that was bad. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. <laughs> it's so funny because it, that really was... Um, it, it sounds like such a silly thing, but I'm, I'm actually really proud of myself in that moment because... I have always been the go-getter, the workaholic, the perfectionist, the people pleaser. And to actually just talk about me in those experiences, as opposed to all the things um, that was like, hey, I did that. So having said that, (laughs) having said that, getting to the things, uh, let's see. Currently, I am the host and founder of the Single Parent Summit and of Recovering Church Girls, and the author writing that book as well as the podcast. And 
the owner of Arabella Events, which is a wedding and event planning and floral design company that's getting ready to launch our wedding planning DIY service for couples who are getting married without a wedding planner. And I think the last piece of that is also the owner and creative director of the Events Collective, which is more for the entrepreneurial group and those that are doing, you know, retreats and conferences and, and that type of a thing. So the thought leaders that are bringing their communities together in real life. Did I, I think I got it all. <laughs> I think you got it all too. And that's why I said she's a serial entrepreneur, you guys, because like uh, Tanya has always been efficient and effective at holding more than one plate in the air at one time. And I'm saying this from the very first time I jumped into Tanya's energy. And most of the time you are told as an entrepreneur or as a person to focus on one thing at a time. And as soon as I uh, shared energy space with Tanya, I knew just by her very vibration, just by her very being, that that was not an option for her. That is not how <laughs> her makeup is made. That is not how she fully functions at her highest vibration. She likes to have more than one thing going at one time. Uh, so I kind of want to backtrack a little bit before we get too much into that and kind of go into, you have two podcasts. And they both cover two completely different things, <laughs> right? We have Recover Recovering Church Girls and Single Parent Summit. Now, clearly, you create a podcast like these based on something that has occurred <laughs> in your life. So I would absolutely love to kind of get information about what led you to the birth of both of those. And you can pick which one you start with. Sure. Actually, I'll go in chronological order. The Single Parent Summit came first, and I think that it provided kind of the way in, if you will, for recovering church girls, because it was a bit of a deeper dive into, into myself, into understanding why I was the twice divorced wedding planner. Cause you know, it's a funny little thing to say and, and have a, a joke at my own expense, which I'm happy to do. It's not a problem, but then there's a deeper question there. Why? I still believe in marriage. I believe in love. I respect the idea of partnership and I value that. And at the end of the day, those marriages did not work for me. Why? And that brought me back to a lot of the programming which sounds a little bit harsh, but at the end of the day, that's pretty much what it is as far as the setup for, um, you know, kind of that idyllic 1950s housewife model that so many times is still held out as the only and best thing that a woman can do in the world is to be a wife and a mom. Uh, so even if that's not explicitly said any longer, it's still implied in so many of the values that are held within organized religion, at least in the churches that I grew up in and experienced community in. So all of that to say, Single Parent Summit, I started by way of wanting to find something that would help me be not only a good parent, but also the best version of myself while I was parenting my kids as a single mom. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. And so actually I kind of got challenged by a friend of mine who said, okay, nobody's talking to the single parent entrepreneurs. You know what it's like to be building your business and wanting to be present and, you know, do all these great things in your family. Why aren't you having this conversation? And that hit me pretty much between <laughs> my eyes, like just smack in the forehead. And I was like, okay. 
but there's more to it. It's not just the idea of being an entrepreneur and raising a family. It's who are we becoming? And again, that takes a lot of introspection and it takes the, the time and the willingness to be honest with ourselves and to really follow the trail and kind of unravel the whole, you know, the whole ball of wax, so to speak, to mix some metaphors there. Um, and like I said, that, that opened up the door for recovering church girls and even a deeper conversation on that side. So, you know, you throw down just lately, you know, twice divorced wedding planner. Um, <laughs> to that right in there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, my little spidey senses are like, interesting. Let's talk about that. Let's go back to that <laughs> conversation. Uh, because I think it's one that's extremely valuable. And I know that it's going to assist and help so many of the listeners who maybe um, are in that space of considering marriage and what it is that they're looking for. And maybe they are being influenced by religion in a way that says that you need to be a wife and a mother and follow these things. And I know that is a bit of the story with your first marriage, is it not? It is. I think, um, especially in getting married young, I was 24. Um, no, Yes, I was 24, and then um, my son arrived two days after my 25th birthday. So, you know, it was, I remember, oh my goodness, I remember crying, <laughs> sobbing uh, in the first year of our marriage, just feeling so incredibly alone and thinking, but I did all the right things, you know, that this was supposed to be this happy ever after. Why am I so sad? Why am I so miserable? Why am I so disconnected with who I thought I would be at this point? And thinking like so many people, oh, a baby will fix that. <laughs> right. So you say, and I just want to like go back here. You say you believe you did everything right. Can you kind of walk through that experience of feeling like, what was it that you were doing to say I did everything right that got you to that, that moment? Sure. I mean, in the environment that I was in at the time, uh, heavily involved in the church, I was pretty much like the poster child of our church youth group, doing missions, doing fundraisers, went to a Christian university, was a resident advisor. And in a lot of schools, you know, especially state schools, as I understand them, of course, that's not my experience, but as I understand them, the RA tends to be, um, you know, somebody who's going for the scholarship or, uh, you know, kind of the, the nerdy rule follower person. At my university, <laughs> the resident advisor was a highly esteemed, fought after, sought after leadership role. So it's quite a different experience. Um, so again, you know, this whole idea of chasing the gold stars and the perfectionism, the people pleasing, the workaholic, all of that was a perfect storm for me within the Christian culture because martyrdom is highly valued, highly, highly valued. And it could be something just as simple as, remember kids, the way we find joy is Jesus, others, and yourself you know, kind of like always putting ourselves last. And I think as women, we tend to be nurturers anyway, but it teases us out to a, a further degree that we become so separated from who we actually are and valuing ourselves. So our self-worth is totally off base from the get-go. And that's exactly what I found in the course of my first marriage. I just didn't know that's what it was until years later of therapy and journaling and and, you know, all the things, using all the tools to say, okay, what really went down here? Because I could say, you know, oh, well, it was because of an action of someone else's. 
Well, again, so I feel like we're, we're, and I'm not looking for like the deep, deep stuff here, right? But so you're completely enmeshed in the Christian college. Is it Catholic or Christian? Sorry. Christian, yeah. Christian, yeah, Christian community, you're, you know, involved in it with school. It is your after school. It is basically how you were spending all of your time. And that's in, like, you met your husband in that experience, right? right. And that's what I'm trying to, like, how old were you guys? What did that look like? And, you know, in terms of, because I believe, and, and because I know a little bit of your story, Tanya, you even worked together once you were married on some level or in some form. Is this true? Yeah. When I was coming um, kind of back into the workforce, I had stayed home with the kids. Um, so at the time we were in Tulsa when we met, because that's where our university was and came back to the East Coast, got married, fast forward, ended up back in Tulsa long enough to have both of the kids born there and then back to the East Coast again, coming back to the East Coast after having been home as the you know primary uh, not only household management, but also primary caretaker for the kids coming back into the workforce when they were four and five. Um, we did work at the same company. So it wasn't ministry related. It was more convenience that we were at the same firm. Gotcha. Um, but talk about the idea of, you know, multiple layers. We went to the same church as I would say all of the leadership at that company and probably a good 30 to 40% of the people who worked there. <laughs> so it was just, there was no escape. It was all the same group of people at the office in the church, small group, sitting on the pew down the hall, you know, in the next congregation over type of a thing. Like it was all intermingled to the point where when, when you're in that close knit of a community and a marriage ends there is no choice but to have a bit of a blow up of your entire world. Like you can do all that you can to keep all your pieces together, but it's just not possible to that extent. And it, it requires a lot of deconstruction. Did you know your husband before you got married to him for very long? Like, um, not terribly long. Like we had some classes together and this was actually a piece of, one of my concerns with organized religion, at least in the evangelical circles, is that certain things are overly spiritualized and emotions are devalued. Um, your physical body is devalued. I mean, I could go on a rabbit trail about the purity culture and the impact that that has had on generations of women to, again, separate them from themselves. And, and basically, it's a message that you are never... But you don't ever belong to you. You are always property of someone else, either God or your father. And then your father hands you off to your husband. It's literally, you know, there's rings and there's jewelry that goes along with this to kind of denote the, um, the, the path of ownership, if you will. So when you're growing up in that kind of culture, if you are unmarried, if you are unattached, there feels to be not only this pressure of getting your MRS degree and everybody else racing to the altar, but on top of that, there is a worthiness issue that you are not worthy until that purity ring has been exchanged for an engagement ring. And even then, your value is tied to that relationship. So yeah, it all, <laughs> it all goes together. Well, that's a lot of pressure, right? Oh, just like a little bit, yeah. And so I got to say kudos to you for being brave enough to listen to your own voice when you knew that the marriage wasn't working anymore. Because it, it took a while, to be honest. Like, I, I appreciate you saying that. I also don't want to be too quick to accept 
the compliment. Um, I am working on receiving, by the way. Um, but more so the idea of it was not a quick process. It took me a good two years to be able to say, hey, something's not right here. We need to get into therapy. We need to figure out what this is. Something's off in order for me to work out my own emotions and to be taken seriously. So by the time you know push came to shove, I was done, 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 but it took two years to get there. Yeah, but I don't think that's abnormal for our first relationships or our first major relationships, right? Like, that's fair. So, right? So I, I'm saying most of us take that long without the added pressure of the church kind of, <laughs> you know, this is, you've got to take this ring seriously, da, 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 right? So like, I'm just, I'm acknowledging that as an additional layer to your decision making. So thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for receiving that. Um, so, I'm learning. <laughs> so, you guys, so you're in your 30s now then, at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, as a matter of fact, just after uh, the divorce was finalized from my kid's dad, uh, I got a tattoo. And it is my currently my only tattoo. I'm very much looking forward to getting another one. But it's of a cherry blossom branch. And it's not small. It's a good six inches. There's two blossoms that are fully developed, one for each of my kids in in their honor, um, and then a lot of other petals. I wanted to kind of denote the idea of the people that I connect with and just the relationships that I hold dear. Um, again, center stage being my kids. But the reason why I chose this image and and to get a tattoo at all, for me, the idea that, again, life didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to, it wasn't street and neat and, you know, something that I could map out easily. It was crooked and crazy as all get out, but it was still beautiful. And between that and just the, the symbolism of the feminine energy in the cherry blossom, uh, that was just something that really spoke to me. So, uh, fast forward, my daughter, uh, couple, I don't know, a couple months after that, she's like, well, when can I get a tattoo? I was like, well, when you're 32, <laughs> cause that's when mommy got it. <laughs> So there's the there's the correlation to the age and the and the tattoo. Yes, exactly. I don't even know you have a tattoo. I'm sitting here going, have I seen this tattoo? I don't know that. I know you have it. Well, and that's what's so much fun, and especially coming from this place. I mean, yes, I was the poster child, but I always had this rebellious spirit, and it was one of those things where you know I want to strike out and I want to be independent and you know kind of be my own person, and again finding that balance between where I was supported and encouraged to do that versus where I was really railing against the system. The tattoo was one of those pieces. Um, to this day, uh, my dad still kind of turns up his nose about the idea. Um, you know, and, and there's little jokes that are, are made, but I recognize that, again, there's a lot of environmental uh, thoughts and programming that's going into that. So I can, you know, I can let it go without it being any big deal, but it was a big deal, even though I was in my thirties and had two children and had gone through this whole thing, it was still a topic of conversation. That's amazing. Sorry. I just think that there is a deeper story in mesh there. If we get time to it, we can talk about that Mm -hmm. as well. But, you know, I know that you had said that you were intertwined with your X in business, in, 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 you know, church community, in life and all of that. So now you've decided to no longer be together and you're moving on the transition of you finding what it was that you were actually going to do for a job or like have like as your life experience now, because leaving 
the job that you had with him, where did that leave you? Yeah, it was, uh, let's just say 2018 was not my, I mean, not, not sorry, 2018, 2008 was not my favorite year. Um, it went from, I just gone back into the workforce uh, the summer of 2007. Uh, we separated that Thanksgiving. I moved out that December. Our divorce was finalized in April. He remarried in May, and then I was laid off that October. So it went from one thing after another after another. And uh, what it ended up happening is that I was in this position of, okay, I'm still at the corporate job, but they don't provide health insurance, by the way, um, which is somewhat unusual. But nevertheless, that's the situation I was in. So I was working at Starbucks, good old Starbucks, to get the health benefits. But let's be honest, I was also there for the coffee discount because <laughs> I was living on caffeine at that point. So my, my regular day looked like a 3.45 wake up and my mom coming over the night before, sleeping on the couch so that she could get the kids to school for me, me clocking in at Starbucks at 4.30 in the morning, unpacking the pastries, doing the morning rush, running to the bathroom, changing in my professional clothes, grabbing a coffee on my way out the door, being at the corporate gig for nine hours, racing to get the kids from the after school program before the fine started at 6 p.m., doing dinner, homework, baths, et cetera, and so forth, fall into bed, do it all again the next day. So surprise, surprise, my body pretty much gave out on me and I ended up collapsing. I ended up losing consciousness on the bathroom floor. Go to find out that it was because my body had been producing so much adrenaline, my heart couldn't keep up with it. And it, that was my big wake up call. That was pretty much the do over button that I'm so incredibly grateful for because at that point, it was an indication that clearly something isn't working. I am killing myself to maintain a life that I don't even really want. And so in all of the transitions, there was an invitation for me there, not only to say, okay, if this is not what I want, then what do I actually want? But then secondly, it's time for me to start taking care of myself and prioritizing my self-care in every aspect of life so that I could step into this new iteration of who I was going to be. So you were doing all that while you were still with your ex? No, for this was immediately after. This, okay. was, this was trying to figure out what the new normal was. And how long did your body go on at that level before it collapsed? It was a couple of months. And were you eating during, I'm just like, I'm trying to paint a picture. Were you actually <laughs> eating food or were you legitimately mostly living on caffeine and like. It was mostly coffee. Um, and I, I probably wasn't drinking very much water at that stage. Um, I also wasn't drinking very much alcohol either, but it was mostly, it was mostly coffee. And I think that, you know, I've never been really great at prioritizing food. I love to eat. I'm a bit of a foodie when I do eat. I love to cook. But seeing the value in preparing food for myself, not a priority. If the kids were home, then sure, we're going to have dinner. But I'm on a massive budget right now, and it's going to be macaroni and cheese and hot dogs or, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, obviously, that wasn't it all the time. But at that stage, what's going to be fast and easy? And dear God, what will the kids eat without giving me fits? Because we went through some major, major um, eating issues with the children during that transition because they were young. They're five and six and, you know, they don't have the vocabulary to explain all the things that are going in, but you better believe we will have a knockdown drag out over whether they're going to eat that food or not. 
And I'm just going to call out and shout out to all the moms that are out there listening right now who are in that stage of childhood because we have all seen the bologna, hot dog, Kraft mac and cheese, chicken finger and fry stage. Yep. I hope lives. So we hear you. We hear you. Um, we so, still tell a story. Um, I made chicken pot pie. So here's the one, the one time, I'm sure it wasn't just the one time, but one of the times that I actually make a meal from scratch, chicken pot pie. My daughter is five at the time, decides that she doesn't like chicken pot pie and she's not going to eat it. So she ends up going to bed hungry and the next morning she's hungry and she wants breakfast and I am serving her chicken pot pie. Now I am not like that, you know, mean of a mom. Um, but that was just one of those, I am going to stick to my guns. (laughs) Now it's still a joke in our family, but you know, anything that resembles chicken pot pie and she's out. Oh my God, I love that it's still a thing. Like she wanted to come up this day. I love that we do this as humans. We create the behavior at such a young age and it sticks with us. Yes, indeed. So, it covered a multitude of sins though. That's what sure. <laughs> <know, right? laughs> So now we've got this place of you doing the self-discovery, trying to figure out what your next new normal was because you knew that you couldn't just literally function on these two jobs and the caffeine and you've had like legitimately your body broke down on you. That's a big aha. What do you do next? What's this next phase of time? At that point, I had already started uh, the wedding the wedding side gig um, again, because I actually started my first planning company when I was a junior in college. So I knew weddings. I knew wedding planning. I knew event planning. Um, and that was something that I always loved. So I had started that right before the bottom fell out of our marriage and kind of put everything on hold during the shuffling process, but then figured this is my best chance to get this back up and running again. Um, At the same time, you know, this whole idea of, okay, if this isn't what I want, then what is, I knew two things. One is I wanted to do work that mattered. And two is I wanted to have more time with my kids because the environment that I had created, I literally went from being the number one, 100% of the time the children are with me from childbirth through kindergarten that, you know, this is what we've done for the last five years. Now I'm back in corporate and all of a sudden now I only have my kids 50% of the time. It was a massive change for me. And again, remember the programming and the expectation that my value comes from my role as a mom. So who am I if I'm no longer a mom actively 100% of the time, I still have all the emotions, I still have the logical response and responsibility, but physically, they're only with me 50% of the time, and then I'm going to spend 98% of that time working? This doesn't make sense. So all of that to say, uh, I decided to, uh, well, with the layoff, I didn't have that much of a decision, Um, but at that point, I looked for a part-time job that would give me enough financial stability to cover my basis, but would also give me a little bit more freedom to invest in getting the wedding business up and running. And that's what I did. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful for that. Uh, And at the same time, it still was a difficult transition because the person that I ended up working with and for was a deacon in my church. So all of the same things carried with me. Um, A lot of the underlying patriarchal things, a lot of the underlining misogyny, and all 
all framed as jokes and laughter and, you know, good natured fun. But there was a lot that was still there that I didn't realize I was accepting as fact and as truth in the process. And again, you know, more, more detangling that had to happen after that. Um, that did give me another great opportunity to get back to travel. Uh, I went to Italy uh, for an Italian destination wedding conference. I am certified in Italian weddings, and still to this day, I have yet to find a couple that will take me up on that. Um, but nevertheless, that was a, a great adventure, and it helped me reconnect with my love of travel, um, my love of just the experience, my love of love, and you know, really being able to tap back into that aspect of myself. So again, I wouldn't have been able to do that necessarily had I been in a regular corporate job. So I'm grateful for all of the different things happening the way that they did, even though I may not have been able to see it in the moment. So that was like, what, 2009 at that point, 2010? 2010, I think, 2010, 2011, somewhere right in that range. Right, right. And, and did you, where did you meet your second husband in all this? Oh, back at that same company, because we have a running joke here that all roads lead to such and such, because such and such uh, is the, the nebulous, <laughs> it's the center, it's the nerve center of everybody who works there in some way, shape, or form. And I'm not mentioning it only because I'm okay. still very familiar with some of these people. <laughs> so it was through the church that you met him or through your actual physical job that you met him? Through the job. Through okay. the job. Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah, the and I... Because the, it was, again, one of these things, apparently I really like environments that make me prove myself in order to be a part of them. Um, because this particular uh, job, it's not, it's not easy to get an invitation to interview. And the interview process, at least at the time that I was there, is a multi-layer process, including multiple interviews, most of which are going to be team interviews. It's all very committee-based. Um, supposedly with the idea that it's a flat hierarchy, not exactly true, but that's what they want to, to, you know, create. Um, having said that, they gave me a false sense of, you know, we're, it was a bit elitist. Uh, and that was very much, again, surprise, surprise, patriarchy and elitism and all sorts of things that are showing up in this corporate environment. I thought that meant that the dating pool should be pretty easy there because they all had to get vetted Sorry. by all the other committees. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, you married somebody from your job. Because did you not leave this job eventually and go full-time into your wedding business? I did, yeah. Yep. Um, where was that with the second wedding? And, and, so the and fall of 2008 is when I was laid off from this corporate job. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy that I married the second time, he had actually already left before me. So we only overlapped for a few months, um, you know, but everybody, it, it really was like, kind of think of the, the whole sister wives type thing. Actually, we used to joke that it was the Stepford wives. Um, but that tight knit of a community, I mean, we're talking not only is everybody together 60 hours a week, but then there's events during the week and on the weekend where everyone's families come together. Like it's, it is, it's an idyllic idea if it all worked, you know, you've got a bit of that utopian perspective that we're all just going to sit around and sing Kumbaya now. Wasn't quite right, but that's what we tried to make it. So I know that we're backtracking a little bit, I feel like, but did you meet him right after? Like, did you meet him within the six no, months? No, it was, it was a good four or five years later. Okay, okay. Um, so you were, yeah. so you had this other job with the deacon and you did Italy and then, yes. you know, and then you met him. Yep. 
yeah, yeah, it was, it was a quite a big gap between the two. Um, but again, I, I outsourced the responsibility for vetting him myself again to the fact that we knew each other from this common experience. Got and it. I just kind of assumed that, that he was the same person that he was back then. Um, but in all honesty, his wife had cheated on him, his first wife, and that left scars deeper than I saw. And just a series of issues that unraveled pretty quickly. That second marriage was only six months and one day um, because it got, it got really ugly um, to the point where I have a, a nice little piece of paper that says that we no longer are in any contact in any way, shape or form um, in order to keep myself safe from that situation. So it was, it got ugly, it got bad. And yeah. <laughs> I have to be careful about what I say. No, I get it. I get it. And I'm like, this is, yeah, we don't need to go any further. But now I just want to know timing because I know that this is like, for me, it's a really powerful thing to see the experience and how people transition and have their own transformations and things like that. Right. So we're looking what 2013, 14 here. 2014, I feel like mm -hmm. it's so funny because when, when there are certain like big moments, I have a tendency to train myself to forget them. So I honestly had to go back and look to check the dates. I'm like, wait, here was that again? So yeah, somewhere right around there. <laughs> and so up until this point, were you still working at the part-time job and doing the wedding thing or were you like I on was. your own? Yeah, no, I was. Um, the funny thing about that situation, actually, no, excuse me. I was already full-time in my own work. Um, but one of the things that, that was a, a source of contention um, in the second marriage is that his wife had been the breadwinner and he was looking to me to basically fill that same responsibility. And uh, certainly at the time, my business was not up and running. And I remember saying, hey, look, I'm in the black. I actually made a profit in my business this year and being really excited about that. But, you know, we're talking like just over the line. So that came back, you know, later of how did you expect that I was going to replace a six-figure employee's income when I'm telling you, hey, woohoo, I made a profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Very big difference in that experience. So now this, like kind of the breakup and everything happens in 2014 and you are, you have the wedding, uh, this event is it only wedding at that point or is it full events by this point? No, it's, it's both. It, it pretty much always was. Um, but the, the entrepreneur style events are more recent within the past couple of years. And the way that that really came about is because with my big do over button, uh, you know, with the end of marriage number one, committing to my personal development was probably one of the biggest impacts in my own life, but also then as a result, my kids' lives. And a lot of that comes down to training. It comes down to courses. It comes down to live events and conferences and retreats and all of those types of things. So it was pretty inevitable that I would end up with my skill set in wedding and event planning and my love and commitment to my personal development that those two aspects of myself would merge a la the Events Collective. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, so that's how... Is it Arabella? And Arabella is the wedding brand, yeah. Yes, Arabella is the wedding brand, but then you have the Events Collective, which kind of uh, serves the entrepreneurial 
um, family, because we're all family. Everybody who's listening who's an entrepreneur, we're a special kind of folk. <laughs> and, <Yeah>, indeed. <laughs> I always akin it to being like the goalie in uh, sports, because I often would look at a goalie and go, who sits there and lets people shoot at them? Like, this right. seems <laughs> very intense. Who decided this was a good idea? Right? But yet, as entrepreneurs, we are willing to stand there and take whatever hits and punches that we need to. And I mean, not physical, like real life punches here, but just, you know, situational uh, ups and downs, whatever it is to learn everything that we need to learn to get through the apex and into the rise of easy but it's because we have the vision that is so big and so like consuming really mm -hmm. that we will do whatever, no matter what to get there, which is kind of a very powerful thing. So even though all of this stuff was going on with your relationships and stuff, you had already started your self-development journey through all that. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And I was still doing weddings and I remember the first wedding after my divorce from my kid's dad. And she was actually um, the babysitter that I had when my kids were really little. So there were multiple connections. Like not only did I help her with the planning and the decor, but you know, this is my babysitter. And I had to excuse myself in the middle of the ceremony and deck out to the lobby. And I fell apart, just completely sobbed my eyes out um, and then had to, you know, pull myself together and, and come back in and be one of the first ones to wish them all the best in the world and with the most heartfelt intent. And at the same time, you know, it's, it's just that piece of, I want all the happiness for you in the world. And I hope that, you know, my experience doesn't dampen yours in any way. But yeah, that was, that was brutal. And it, it sneaks up on you. That's the funny thing about the whole twice divorce wedding planner bit is that, you know, clearly there's a commitment to and a belief in love and partnership and romance. And I am, I mean, clearly, if you can't tell already, I am the eternal optimist and the hopeless and hopeful romantic. And at the same time, you know, there's also that piece of I am not willing to sacrifice who I am or who I'm meant to be in order to have a relationship that doesn't serve me. So it's just that piece of, you know, I'm, I'm really happy right now who I am being single and enjoying where I'm at. And at the same time, yeah, I still have my eyes open and I'm still open to that partnership, but that is a, that is a pretty tall order in terms of, you know, you better come in happy and have your own life figured out and, you know, really bring a lot to the table because I know who I am now and I know what I bring to the table and I'm not willing to give in on any of that. For any male listeners that are listening, this is, <laughs> and, um, this is what she's looking for. That was beautiful. I love that. I did. <laughs> but it's true. There is a beautiful space in which we get to that place of knowing and, and, you know, I know the last couple of years of your journey pretty personally and things like that, but I still don't know yet where single parent summit came into play in all of this. Like at what point of the story did you begin that? I say it was probably about a year, maybe two after divorce number two. Um, and so about two years ago, two, three years ago, three years, something like that. Um, and it was kind of funny because it came in to play in a very busy season for weddings. 
And like I mentioned, you know, my friend kind of threw out this challenge to me of why aren't you doing something about this? And so I was like, well, let me sleep on it. And the next morning we were at an event for speakers uh, together and we, we rode to the airport together. And the next morning, you know, we're on the, the drive back to the airport and I was like, okay, well, here's the thing. I'm walking into wedding season. So if it, if it's going to happen, it needs to happen right now. I have nine weeks to execute, not only doing something, but it's going to be a summit and there's going to be 45 speakers and it's going to be 11 days long. And I've got seven weeks ready, set, go. <laughs> and that's pretty much how the summit started. That was our first year. Um, and then of course, you know, you get all the Facebook group and all that kind of stuff that comes along with it. Um, and then next year, or excuse me, the next year, which was last year, we did it again, changed the format up a little bit. Um, this year or just a few months ago, we um, got the podcast set up and now we're getting ready for something really exciting that uh, it's going to become more of a collaborative piece. And there are 10 people who I admire greatly, yourself included, by the way, <laughs> are coming in almost like a council, if you will. Um, and so being able really just to collaborate and to partner together to bring this to the next level. So I'm really, really excited about that. I am too, because I think that there isn't enough conversation for, um, and you're going, so the single parent summit may be called single parent summit, but can you elaborate on what that real, like what, who you're actually talking to, because it isn't just the single parent. And I think that that's Absolutely. an important conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for mentioning that because this was really important to me. I mean, ideally, those of us who were married before, many of us do still, again, you know, believe in that. So we may not be single parents for forever, but that brings up a whole new <laughs> set of situations. So looking at the idea of the single parent summit includes multiple stages of being, of parenthood, including the, the person who has decided to start a family without being, par or without being partnered. So, I mean, we're talking like single parenting in a completely different way. Then we have those who have gone through divorce, whether it was your choice or the other person's choice. There's a lot of layers to unpack through that and help the kids adjust and all the rest of it. Um, that also might mean that you're now co-parenting. And especially if the other person has remarried, you've got, again, another layer. And then we get into um, those who have lost their partners and are having to parent through the grieving process and having to basically say, okay, mommy or daddy has now passed away. What does that look like? And how do I put, it, put all pieces together for that? Then we've got blended families when anyone has married in to a single parent with their children. And sometimes you got the Brady Bunch piece where it's both sets that have married in and have their own kids. And then finally, we have what I call solo parenting. And this, um, unfortunately, I think is a, a hugely underserved part of the population. It's those who are parenting with a physically or emotionally absent partner. So technically, they're not single parents. And yet, they still have the, the most of the burden of not only the parenting, but the household management, you know, all the things. I think of our military families when they're out on deployment and, you know, those who have road warrior uh, partners who are traveling all the time for work or incarcerated or, you know, any of those types of things. I think there's a, a massive part of our society that fits into that space. So all of those people are included. And I think that that's such a, this is, this is why I wanted to participate in this group because I know that it creates a foundation for unification of the same conversation, just in a different, you know, way, if you will, like we can all funnel into the same understanding of each other that, you know, it's not your, your typical, 
you know, we got married and we stayed together forever kind of relationship. And when we aren't in that, and even I get that that sometimes has its problems in and itself, but there's, there's like you say, layers when we unwrap <laughs> the present down into, you know, all of these different compartments. So I am so excited to be a part of that. And I know that there is huge expansion that will be happening over the next, you know, this year and next year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what's so interesting, one of the reasons why that was so important to me to have such a strong cross-section is I think that it's too easy to look at someone else's life and say, well, I can't do what they did because blah, 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 blah. And instead of looking for the commonalities and looking for, you know, oh, well, if they did that, then so can I. It's just too easy for single parents to believe the stereotype that they've been, you know, cast into with society for the last however many, you know, decades. So this gives us an opportunity to have a deeper conversation and to say, hey, look, you know, here's so many of us who have been able to change our own trajectory. And more importantly, like what really lights me up about all of this, it's not just about the parents. It's not just about expanding their vision and helping them become the best version of their themselves. It's really, as far as I'm concerned, it's really about the parents doing that so that they pattern that for their kids. Because then we're really talking about a massive global change. When we can impact our children, that's like a whole new game there. That's what gets me really jazzed up about this whole thing. So Tanya, are you saying that when we focus on ourselves and our inner beings, that our children benefit more from that than if we try to hyper-focus on them and, you know, you know, micromanage? As a matter of fact, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I just want to say I totally 100% agree with you at this <laughs> point in this interview. <laughs> that is such an under-talked about uh, layer parenting. It's like the more we, we actually work on ourselves, we're modeling and mirroring for our children how they can do the same. And I think that that is the key to all success um, and you know my story and most of the listeners do with Ethan. That was that was the only thing that significantly changed our relationship. Mm. And so that's why I think it's such an, a, a powerful conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now we get to go into... So she started the single parents. I mean, like, we're just like, we're back on the train now. We're, we're traveling oh, down Tanya, the Tanya train. And, um, Welcome to my life. This is the way it goes. Right? We, when do we get off to start recovering church girls? And how did that come to be? And I'd like to say I was part of that somehow. Indeed. indeed. Well, and it's funny because um, before I, I jump tracks to recovering church girls, I have to say on the idea of uh, mirroring things for our kids, um, there is an element of be careful what you wish for. Um, I have had now two times that I hit some sort of block or frustration or whatever, you know, within myself, within my own head and my own experience that my kids have been the one to say, Hey mom, maybe you should reread the four agreements. Um, the other night, literally two nights ago, um, I was in one of those moments running up against some tech stuff on our new program, Wedding Planning DIY, and uh, Christian ran and got his Dale Carnegie book and flipped to, uh, it was How to Stop Worrying and Start Living and flipped to the idea of, okay, worst case scenario, we're going to build up from there. And literally 
made me reread the chapter as I was finishing getting dinner ready. So there is that lovely piece of be prepared to uh, have that accountability <laughs> within your own home. <laughs> But that, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna again. Kudos to you, Tanya, because as someone who has kids, my kids aren't doing that yet, and I think that that is a significant light on for you as a parent to be instilling that kind or that level of aware of awareness mm-hmm. in your children, and and that's beautiful because for him, Christian to even know what book, what page, what to do. I, I'm just honoring you. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, it's, it's really amazing. It's humbling, (laughs) but it's really amazing. For sure. For sure. And I mean, this is a side story here, but your kids are very much involved in what you're doing as well from an entrepreneurial standpoint. They are getting their own little kind of taste into entrepreneurship by supporting and helping you with in different levels, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one with her art, uh, one with his uh, tech schools, I mean, or skills, excuse me. Um, but yeah, they're, not only that, but I think also encouraging each of them to find out what their own sweet spots are and their own areas of interest and being able to invest in their skill development. Uh, it's really just been a beautiful thing for our family. And I think that we are much closer and we get to share not only the joys, but also the struggles and to be able to have those really honest conversations. So it's been, I know it's been an absolute blessing for me. um, And I think they would say the same. Which I love. Um, (laughs) And I know that there is a little resistance and discomfort when I'm going to take you back there because recovering church girls was not an easy thing to get involved with, was it? No, no, it wasn't. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So along the way, I, coming out of this wedding stuff, I knew that speaking was going to be a part of my process, but I didn't really know exactly what it was. I have become a a part of a community called Heroic Public Speaking, and I went to their very first event, their first live event, live training. And of course, I'm coming in of, oh, I'm a wedding planner. And so everyone is like, oh, well, you must want to teach people how to plan weddings. That's why you're here, right? So you can speak about that. And there was this like visceral reaction. I was like, no, no, that is not what I want. And then, of course, I went ahead and launched Wedding Planning DIY. So joke's on me. Uh, But then it was this thing of like, okay, again, that's not it. So what is it? And that took me to a much deeper place than I ever would have thought I would have gotten to by going to a speaker's training event. Um, but really, again, peeling back all the layers, who I am at the, who am I at the core? What has influenced me? Why? How? Where do I go from here? You know, again, all of these questions that, that I really had to wrestle with. And that, at first, I thought it was anchoring into this idea of self-care. Because with my moment of, you know, waking up from the bathroom floor and the life of an entrepreneur and all the rest of it, that's a pretty easy sell. And it's something that we all need to know. And it's a a hugely influential and needed piece. So, okay, I'll hang my hat on self-care for entrepreneurs. That's easy. And then there was this nudge of like, yeah, that's not enough. That's not what this is really about. That's only part of the story. And in, again, my own, you know, introspection and, and digging deep, it really got to a place of worthiness. That's really what the issue has become or has unveiled itself to be. And then the next question is why? And for me, looking back, again, so many different points of reference, 
the the patriarchal structure, the rules, the expectations, the conformity, the separation of us from ourselves, not being able to trust our body, can't trust your intuition, can't trust your emotions. You have to only trust scripture. You have to only trust the person who is authorized to give you their interpretation of what God is saying for you. So, you know, it really, um, it's taken a long time to get to where I am now not only to be able to have the conversations because, oh my goodness, talk about literally post-traumatic stress type stuff coming up because some of the stuff is dark and twisty and you're talking about layers and layers of abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, spiritual, within the confines of the church, within the constructs of the church, and then it hasn't been talked about and it's been swept under the rug. These are the things that we talk about, and these are the things that the hurts that we're healing in the process of reconnecting people back to themselves. And I will say we have, um, you know, very similar to Single Parent Summit, where I wanted to be very intentional about the inclusivity of it. There's an asterisk behind the word girls in the title Recovering Church Girls, because we're telling the guy stories as well. We're telling the stories of non-binary and lesbian and bisexual and gay and transsexual. We're telling all of these stories because people matter, period. Regardless of what other labels or boxes we could put them into, people matter. And when there's experiences of spiritual abuse that have separated us from ourselves and have separated us from God and source, that's something I don't take lightly. And that's really what this work is all about. There's like a million layers. I think we have to have a whole other podcast episode <laughs> just on that because, but I just want to touch on, again, like for the listeners that are listening to you guys, this was a big conversation to get into. Like you can hear that, you know, this will stir the pot a little bit, right? Oh, we started, yeah, which is, it's hard. Like I'm in one hand, like rebellious side of me is kind of like, bring it on. And on the other side, it's like, ow, 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 ow. Well, that's not what I meant. Oh, you're taking that out of context or, you know, whatever it gets, it gets complicated. <laughs> right. And so what was the point in which the exterior approval and what other people would say or think was, uh, you know, a quieter voice than the knowing and the understanding that this was a message that the the world needed to hear. What was the turning point for you that, because for the listeners that are, you know what I mean, who are thinking about putting something out into the world and they're just more afraid of what other people are going to say or how it's going to be taken over, you know, reaching out and helping the person that they're here to serve. Because you've just done this with something so big. What is some advice you could give to those listeners? Ooh, that's a really good question. And I think the first thing that's coming to mind, and of course you've taught me that the first answer is the right answer. So the first thing that comes to mind is, is practice. It's the idea of start, even if it's a small step, start claiming your voice, start using your voice, start owning what you think and what you feel. And develop that level of trust within yourself. And honestly, it's also a trust with the universe and with God and source and spirit that they're guiding you in the right direction. And you've got to take the steps to correspond. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a big, huge rebellion or, you know, a, a massive change to something. It can be something as simple as saying, you know, actually, I really don't want Chinese for dinner. I want Italian. 
Because something as simple as saying what you want, it's amazing to me how easily we are conditioned either not to have an opinion or not to share the opinion. And so my, my first thing is start, practice. Practice understanding who you are, why you are, and get it out in the world, whatever that looks like. Literally, even if it's just making a decision about what you want to eat rather than the rest of the family. It's <laughs> not a true story because yeah. it's listening to your own voice and, and, and putting yourself first a little bit. And I know that that is part of your life lesson that you went through. And by the way, going back way back, your lovely voice you did when you explained joy, it's Jesus and other people <laughs> and yourself. It was awesome, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> years and years of Sunday school. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, it's still playing on me. I'm like, oh, look, she has a joy voice. And so um, <laughs> for everybody that it comes on the show, Tony, I do ask one really cool question. And one of these days, I'm going to collect the information and put it out for, for all of the listeners. And I think I'll do it like every three months. But what would you say, and the first answer is the right answer, is the book that comes to mind about the book that you read that had a significant shift or transformation value to you at some point in your life. Like you read that book and you're like, man, that's exactly what I needed. What comes I to mind? love this question. It's such an easy answer. Um, and I find myself almost wanting to judge myself because it's a little bit cheesy in how perfectly it fits together. Uh, but it's Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. And the reason why is my best friend sent it to me when I was in that final process of, I think this is over, but I'm just not quite sure. And I don't know what to do about it yet. And for those of you who have read it, you know, the story opens with Liz on her knees on the bathroom floor in tears. That was me. That was literally me in my bathroom and, you know, just trying to figure out, okay, what do I do from here? And the idea of go back to bed, Liz. I was like, oh, okay, I need sleep. <laughs> so I mean, like literally from page one, uh, it was just what I needed at that time. I love that. And I didn't know, like, again, I, I might know the people I'm interviewing you guys, but I never know what they're going to say here. And I find that <laughs> such a beautiful thing to hear, you know, that, that, that book. Cause you know, not only that, but you went to Italy too. How funny is that? <laughs> so, Bali's on my list. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, I, I bet. Um, so with all of these amazing things that are going on, Tanya, where can people go to find information about the single parent summit, recovering church girls and all the other magic that you're putting out into the world? Well, that's the fun thing about being a serial entrepreneur, this whole social media thing. Pick any one of those brands and you'll find us. So it's The Single Parent with a the in front of it, um, thesingleparentsummit.com, Instagram at The Single Parent Summit, um, Facebook group, same thing, uh, Facebook page, same thing, Arabella Events across the board, Tanya Adlita across the board, Recovering Church Girls. Uh, so at least that's one thing I figured out in my, you know, 10, 15 years of <laughs> <laughs> business stuff. We've got all the socials and they're all there. So find us whichever way. Um, and by all means, please feel free to reach out personally and, you know, let me know where you are and how I can help. Cause these are, these are big things that we're all doing together. Even though it's individual, it's, it's all together. We're all in this together. Amazing. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and how you got to the places that you're at and a little part of your spirit with my peace. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. All right, everybody have a magical Thursday and we will 
be back dropping some downloaded bombs to you on Monday.